Hey everyone, this is Dorinda. I am so glad you joined me today. I have a very special guest. I have my daughter, Brittany, who is the oldest of our eight kids, here with me today to talk about her experience homeschooling and her perspective on homeschooling as an adult. Now, Brittany is pregnant with her fourth baby, so we just got kids down for naps and had a cup of coffee, and we are ready to share our hearts with you. But before we do that, uh, you may be a new listener and might not even know who I am, but I'm married to Daryl, and we've almost been married for 30 years. We have eight kids, ages 14 to 28. We have our sixth grandbaby on the way, the end of June, and we've been homeschooling for over 23 years. A few years ago, I wrote a book called The Unhurried Homeschooler, and you can find that on Amazon, but it is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling where I just share our experience as a family when it comes to homeschooling. Also, if you are going to the FPEA conference in Orlando, Florida, May 24th to the 26th, I will be there. And I would be super honored to meet you, to hug your neck, to get to know you a little bit, but I'll be doing five sessions there in Orlando. And I will also be doing three sessions at NCHE in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's May 31st and June 1st. And the really funny thing is, as soon as I finish my last session that day, I go to another room and we watch our sixth child graduate from high school. So we are super excited about that. I would love to see you there if you live in the area and can make it to these conferences. They can be a real encouragement. So I'm going to introduce you to my daughter, Brittany, who's 28, as you already know. And like I said before, pregnant with her fourth about, you're getting close to seven months already, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am glad you're here too, because you know what they say about the first child, they're an experiment, right? Yes, yes we are the guinea pigs, <laughs> the proud guinea pigs. <laughs> We learn a lot from that first or, I one. mean pioneers. Pioneers. <laughs> They're blazing the trail. Mm-hmm. Let's let's put a positive spin on this thing, right? More dignified than a rodent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so today we're going to dive into talking about uh, your experience as a homeschooler. See, now I don't know exactly everything she's going to say, so I could be in for some surprises here too. So hold on to your shorts. Here we go. <laughs> Preschool years. Okay. First of all, before we had kids, I happened to read a couple of books on homeschooling. I think I picked them up at a yard sale or something. It was I know it was a God thing, but I read those things, and they were by Dr. Raymond Moore. And as I read these, I really felt like they were just, they just resonated with my heart as a mom and what I really wanted to do with these kids that I hadn't even had yet. So uh, when my husband and I got married, he was on board with homeschooling. So fast forward to few years and we have Brittany who's uh, I think you were about three at the time oh really I I don't think you were even four yet wow but we had this little Christian preschool close by and I was going to Bible study once a week and so I thought well one of those days (laughs) uh or that one day when I'm at Bible study and and then one other day during the week would be a great time for her to go to preschool I thought rather than being in the nursery at church you know she Mm -hmm. could actually be learning something so I signed her up for preschool paid the money even though I knew I was going to homeschool, I don't know what I was thinking, but just testing it out, you know, testing you it know. out, trying it out. You know, sometimes you got to experiment a little bit. Yeah. So we dropped her off and I went off to Bible study. And as soon as I got there, 
I could not sit still because I just wanted to go and pick you back up again. I just <laughs> felt like this was not right. Just distracted through the whole Bible study. Right. Oh, so cool. I'm sitting at the table with these other moms, mostly older moms whose kids mm-hmm. were already grown. And I finally was, you know, just being transparent with them. I said, I'm sorry, you guys. I just really could use some prayer. I just dropped our daughter off at preschool. And I just, I don't know. I'm not feeling very good about it. And, you know, I don't remember what all I said. And these women looked at me and said, oh, honey, you got to let him go sometime. And I'm thinking to myself, she's three. Three years old? (laughs) Yeah. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I'm crazy. I'm that overprotective mommy. So I'm trying to like, you know, keep it together. And I just cannot concentrate. I can't focus. I had our other baby with us. and But I just wanted to go and get Brittany. So I finally snuck out of the room and I called my husband and I said, hey, tell me if I'm crazy, but this is what's going on. And he said, you're not crazy. He said, if you feel like that's not where she belongs, then we'll just pull her out. And I said, okay, well, as soon as Bible study is over, I'll go get her. <laughs> well, I didn't even make it that long. I, I left early. Aww. You know, I tried not to look like a fool. You know, I tried to just sneak out at the right time when people wouldn't notice, right? Casually. Yeah, so I... I'm, <laughs> <But> hurriedly. <laughs> With my little car seat on my arm, and off I go and go back to this little preschool, and I meet my husband in the hallway. Like, he figures, I'm going to be at Bible study. He's going to go rescue her from I don't know what, but... (laughs) So we uh, both show up at the same time, and of course, preschool isn't over, and we didn't want to interrupt, so we sat outside the door, and nobody knew we were there, so we were sort of eavesdropping. And we were listening, and we just heard this one particular child, a little boy, who was just kind of wreaking havoc and really demanding all the teacher's attention. And the other kids were just having to wait and wait and wait and wait to do the next thing. And this teacher was starting to get a little bit, you know, impatient, and I totally understood. But then I'm also thinking about this little boy who probably would might be much better off outside, you know, playing with worms, digging in the dirt, you know. He wasn't ready for this scenario. So we're sitting out there and I'm just at that point thinking, okay, this is what happens in a classroom. The child who needs and demands the most attention is the one that's going to get it all. (laughs) The squeaky wheel. Right. Right. And the ones who are ready to learn are going to be forced to wait, you know. And and all of a sudden it was like Mm -hmm. all the dots were... I thought the dots had connected, but they were really connecting then. And my husband and I were able to have a discussion about it. And plus our daughter was seeing, you were seeing behavior. I actually still remember that kid. Yeah. Okay. I I really didn't understand like what was up with this kid, but like, yeah, he was just giving everybody grief. He was giving me grief. I think I remember, which is weird because I was like three. You wouldn't think you'd remember it, but I think it was just such an odd circumstance. It stood out in my memory of like. Yeah, just like, what am I doing here? Right. What, why am I here? And this kid is really annoying. Right. <laughs> and right. just like, why, you know. He, what is this all about? Yeah, I think he had picked on pretty much everybody in that Do you remember the activities you did? No. no. <laughs> I remember there was animal crackers, I think. That right. may be the only thing I okay, remember. Okay, so food like, and grief. Oh, Those and are coloring. The two things Maybe too. a little coloring or something. <laughs> Which is something you could do at home. Right. Right? Yeah, it was nothing fantastic. And yeah. just wondering, like. You know, okay, well, where, okay. where's my mom? And I think, I think, I don't know. You guys thought nobody was like, saw you out there, but I think I actually caught sight of you guys. I was like, oh, there she is. Has she been there the whole time? Or just like, and then just 
looking and you were over by, and I remember seeing the exit sign actually, like the lit up exit sign and my parents are over there and thinking, okay, well that's where I need to be. Like, right. I don't need to be in here. Oh, that's I need to go with mom and dad and out the door. Like, right. I don't, I don't even understand this <laughs> at all. I, was, I just felt really confused, I that's think. That's so funny. It was just, yeah, and it's weird because I still remember that a little yeah. bit. And well, when, and yeah. here you were seeing behavior that we had said was not okay. You know, yeah. and at three years old, I just remember wondering what what his problem was, and the poor guy was probably just really not classroom right. material. He probably just needed to be outside. Exactly. But it was just like it was the, just so puzzling, right? But the point is that we learned from that experience um, mm-hmm. just even more. Uh, it just confirmed even more that we that homeschooling was what we wanted to do with our kids. Now, now share with us some of your earliest memories as a child. You know, we kind of mm-hmm. eased into schoolwork, so your preschool years and you know three, four, five were mm-hmm. sort of very laid back and yeah. I'm trying to think. Do you remember we did we we baked together, we did play doh together. Yeah, and like we sometimes we would go places together. Like I was telling you earlier, I remember the aquarium we went to in Canada. Right, um, and yes. I got to see a whale for the first time. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And she I even remember my sister in the little stroller next to me and just like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> and, you know, just things more, probably more experiences, right. really. And they right. weren't even anything huge. Right. But playing with friends, um, did playing you, with siblings. Did you feel secure? Yeah, I did. Yeah. did and you? I think the preschool thing, there was a little bit of insecurity. And mm. that was the weird thing. I was like, this just makes me feel weird. Right, right. You couldn't but, explain that I mean, as a three-year-old. the rest of it was all very secure and stuff. And just right. sort of like, oh, I could just do my own thing. I didn't have other kids my age chiming in on what I should do and should do and shouldn't do. And right. random stranger teachers. And, right. Um, and, I mean, some kids would enjoy that. I Probably my four-year-old would do okay with that. He's very social, but, like, we still... Yeah, but you think about that, doing that several days a week or even... When you're that little, you really can't have too much input because everything is so new. Right. And overwhelming. Right. Things that an adult would never even think about. Right. And And there's no, typically no way for them to generally process that and be able to speak it out. No, not at all. It just comes out as, like, tears or feeling insecure or just... Frustrated or angry. Not even close to getting what you're trying to teach them. Right. Or, you know, not, yeah. So, so the point being, I really am still, uh, you know, we had seven kids after you and just creating a warm, loving, consistent environment mm-hmm. for the kids where they, they know what to expect. Predictability. Predictability, consistency. We were talking earlier about how um, with some of the kids, you know, after you, I think probably around the fourth, we decided to t- start teaching them sign language as babies mm. around eight or nine yeah. months, teaching them how to say drink or food or whatever, mm-hmm. please and thank you, um, just with a simple sign language. Yeah, and it was more. <laughs> took so much frustration out of trying to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. That was a really fun thing to do. So let's move forward into the elementary years. And what did you feel like? During this time. So we're talking, you know... Elementary. I'm so bad about this. People say, like, you know, preschool, kindergarten, elementary. And even my my homeschool brain even now goes, oh, gosh, what age is that? I really have to think because I'm like... We typically "Uh." didn't worry about grade levels. Right. Not a whole lot. And we were all well within our grade levels, obviously. It wasn't like it affected us to just not have a grade level. It's just not in terms, I think, in terms of age, not necessarily school age. Right. Okay. But, yeah, elementary So elementary would would be like... Yeah. 
third grade or something. Okay, first we got to talk about your your learning to read experience. Okay. (laughs) So I was the mom that said, I'm not going to hurry and I'm not going to push. If they are clearly not ready, we're not doing it. So I did that. I took my time, didn't hurry her into starting to read, but she showed a real interest at a certain point. And when she'd shown interest for a while, I sat down with her and we started going through a hundred easy lessons. And I don't know Mm -hmm. how many lessons we were into it. Not very far, I don't think. But all of a sudden you just lost interest. Not only that, you got frustrated at a certain point mm-hmm. and you were frustrated and then I started to get frustrated and then I started to push you <laughs> and then you got these big tears in your big brown eyes and I looked at her face and thought what am I doing <laughs> this is what I told myself I was not going to do and I just told her you know what we can just be done go play do you remember that I I just remember the general feeling towards the reading lesson book right it was at first like kind of this oh, I really don't want to do this. But then ultimately enjoying it. Right. But that was later. Right. A little bit. Like, I remember just kind of the feel. Kind of, you know, as a kid, you remember how things make you feel. You don't necessarily right. remember what all went through your head. Right. And I think, too, you yeah. know, sometimes when a, a kid is, is showing interest and you sit down with them, even then, I think sometimes they catch on to our excitement that, you know, that they're wanting to learn to read and maybe they're not necessarily totally on board, but they're on board because you're on board and we're excited and especially oldest children, they want to please us, right? So, so that's probably what happened. But when we ran into that obstacle, we just quit. We put it down. I let her play and not until I was absolutely sure that she was really good with picking it up again, did we do it again. And when we did, she made progress at warp speed. Not that it mattered, but I found it interesting that we took this big time off, this big gap of time off. And when we went back to it and she was ready, she just plowed forward. And I saw this happen so many times with our kids when we, it was, there was clearly hitting a brick wall and we took a pause. The next time they went back to it, typically they would just, it would click. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes faith to stop and not right. actually call it quits and not feel guilty about it. Exactly. Exactly. You're doing your child a disservice somehow or, you know, when right. really it's just frustrating them. <laughs> so elementary years, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, so we're talking third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. When you were about 12, you started to take classes once a week mm-hmm. at home link. Um, up to that point, we were just homeschooling at home. And I think those years were pretty, uh, you know, we were yeah. unhurried. We let them, you know, we basically covered the basics in yeah, the morning. Yeah, definitely got the basics done every morning. You knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah. you also knew that you would have margin in the afternoons. Right. A lot of it was, for me too, was always working towards that free time in the day. Right. Just all through schoolwork was, that was my fun. And it was nice because it wasn't a copious amount where I was feeling like I was burning myself out just to get to the free time, it was, okay, just do my work, then I can have fun. Right. It was pretty balanced. Right, right. Okay, so when you started taking the classes, because a lot of people talk about um, unsocialized homeschoolers, so let's talk about that. And you're an introvert. Yeah. So this was kind of your first exposure to classes and... Being with people right, the every classroom, week. And how, how was that? Do you remember if there was an adjustment period or did you feel like you adjusted pretty quickly? It was all um, homeschooled kids, but it yeah. was a pretty big group of kids. Yeah, I and mean... And some of them you knew from church. And some class sizes were smaller, some were bigger. And yeah, it helped that there were a few familiar faces, a couple friends I had met at church that were there. 
And it, as an introvert, it really helped me to be in classes that, well, classes I found interesting, but a lot of times I would try to take a class too because somebody I knew was in there and that was going to make it more comfortable for me just to start out. So that sort of motivated you to, right. uh, to pick those classes. Yeah, but also, too, sometimes a sibling would take it with me, and that mm. would make it easier right, to adjust. Right, um, right. Just at first, after a while, it didn't matter nearly as much, and you just met more people. But the adjustment itself of home only homeschooling to going to a program wasn't a huge deal because it was classes once a week. Right. I felt like it wasn't just jumping into a full-on every single day or even two or three days. It was just one day a week so that I actually really looked forward to it. Right. Uh, really fast and then every time we would start up a new school year with them and sign up for classes it was super exciting because it was just once a week and it was sort of a break from the normal and I knew I was going to be with good kids right right um, and I think too for teachers that were mostly parents yeah Christian parents yeah yeah well and the other thing that happened was you know uh, for our family having so many kids uh, I just couldn't do that a program more than one day a week. And, you know, I, you know, I didn't even try to push that parameter for quite a while because Mm -hmm. I just knew in my gut that it was going to be too much. And a lot of other kids were going two days, maybe three days a week. And I just knew that was not for us. And this Mm -hmm. is, this is where you kind of start to hone in on your mom instincts and you realize, okay, that's a great fit for that family, but I know it's not going to be a good fit for my family. And that's okay. You Mm -hmm. know, that's the thing, you know, our kids are watching us too. As we uh, make choices, say no to things, um, in order to keep our family cohesive, right? And, and if to keep we peace in our and household. if we ran into anything where maybe a classmate was acting up or somebody said something to us that was, I don't know, immature, or we had to deal with, you had a whole week in between your next classes to process process it, it and then maybe you talk to your parent about it. Hey, this happened, and. It wasn't like, boom, boom, okay, next day of classes, and you had no time to process. No time, exactly. If anything came up, really not a whole lot came up. And, of right. course, there's always kids that are just not Difficult. as far along on the maturity line, and right. you just deal with that. Um, but, like, yeah, it well, was just nice to have that, that margin and that space. Right, and we had a 25-minute drive each way. Yeah. So always going mm-hmm. in, I prayed. We prayed yes, in the van would, every single that. time. Uh-huh. And if I forgot, because, you know, after years and years and years of it, uh, yeah. every now and then I was a little distracted and the kids would just, Mom, should I pray? Yes, go ahead and pray. <laughs> we would pray over them before, even though we knew it was a safe environment. Mm-hmm. We just know that, you know, anything's possible. And so right. we just prayed over everybody and that they shouldn't, they wouldn't see, hear, or experience anything even, that they should have. I don't think we even knew what that meant. I know. We really didn't, but it was still a good start to the day too. And and as we got older, and we kind of more under, we understood more what that meant. It right. was like kind of just made you aware of what you were seeing and right. hearing throughout the day. Right. You know, and even there were a few instances where some things happened at, there and unexpectedly, and I. It, my kids' eyes were completely blinded to it. I heard it from someone else. My kids were there. They never saw it. They never noticed it. And I was like, God, you answered our prayers. <laughs> um, but the cool thing, too, was afterwards when we were driving home, we would go through every kid. I would ask them oh, yeah. about their day, what happened, what you know, what was great. Like, we girls always had a lot to say, and then boys would be like, oh, good. I know. And then it wasn't even that fantastical coming from the no, boys as far as classic. like in-depth conversation. They were just like, oh. Yeah, it was a good day. The classic thing would be, yeah, I had lunch with my best friend. Oh, really? What's his name? I don't know. 
I don't know, but we had a great but we time. we had a great time. They know tons of things about them, but they just don't know their name. Yes. So unhurried during these elementary years, how do you think you benefited from that? Well, again, you're kind of, you're not in the preschool years. You're not in the, but you're heading towards the teenage years. Again, there's just a lot of life that has to be processed. Mm-hmm. And things can be overwhelming pretty easily. And you're still, and now that you're in elementary, you're having to manage the relational side of things. Right. Which is pretty new too when you're in, when you're a little person you know it's like it's not as big a deal that stuff kind of goes over your head but as you get older you're more aware of the relational stuff going on and um just between the siblings you mean or just with other people too right. you know with even going to classes once a week and you know you just become more aware do I talk too much do I talk too little oh, or right. what right. do I say or not say and then just yeah or how do you, or if you're an introvert, how do you even start a conversation? Well, that's you know? the interesting thing. You really were an introvert, but you mm-hmm. loved going to classes every week. And, you and I had some... a whole week to think about, you know, okay, what are some things you can talk about with people you don't even know? <laughs> right. Or see just once a week. Right. You know, it wasn't too much. It gave you time to process it and grow in it at your own rate. Yeah. You know, and I think we've talked about this before, um, where I really... I knew you were an introvert, which is interesting because my husband and I are not introverts. We're both extroverts. So we end up with this introvert daughter and we're thinking, how did this happen? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but she was shy and definitely on the quiet side. And I just was observing all the time. I felt he like. took okay, a lot of the lot. time. I was just observing and I was so busy observing and watching people interact and things go on. Um, that but, was just caught up in that. But more. the other day, yeah. and that's that's great because mm-hmm. you can learn so much from observing. Oh, I really you know? did, yeah. <laughs> well, I had a mom the other day um, talking to me about her son who's really struggling socially. And she's like, we well, you know we're at church every time the doors are open. We do this, we do that. And I'm already immediately thinking, okay, I think maybe you're doing too much. And he's not mm-hmm. having time to process. Yeah. And so he was really experiencing high levels of anxiety. And I said, pull back. Don't make him go to anything unless he chooses to go. Mm-hmm. And give him that space. Give him some time. Because seriously, sometimes even once a week or classes once a week and then church on Sunday really right. um, gives you time to For process. an introvert, that can be plenty. Right. Because, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. The world needs extroverts, but it also needs introverts. Mm-hmm. You know, so saying that an introvert has to be an extrovert or has to be a certain amount of ongoing, outgoing, I, I think is a little bit harsh. Well, and I think it could ultimately cause them to completely pull away and almost become a hermit. That's right. Over-socializing when you're a kid, because then when you're an adult and it's up to you, you just don't want to do anything. Right. Because that just resonates. Because that stress. was forced on you as a child. And so... It's possible. Well, that's and this possible. is... I mean, that's not always the case, but I yeah. think it's... I just want to speak to the mom out there who might have some introverted kids that... Um, it's okay to give them that time and space to develop on their own. And you mm-hmm. have told me before that if I had pushed you, right, I would encourage you, but I really didn't push you. And you t- have told me since then that if I had pushed you, it would have kind of wrecked this process that yeah. you needed to go through. And you were, I would consider, I would say that you, when you really blossomed, you decided to t- start taking drama classes. Yeah, well, and I will say along the lines of just not pressuring me, you never were like, oh, you're so shy. Oh, you really should, like, try to get yourself out there right. more or any of that. Because if already having two extrovert parents, you know, you can just kind of feel it a little right. bit because right. the oldest is always looking up at the parents. That's the next people up on the ladder. Right. And, um, like, that would have just made it so much harder because then you're 
already psyched out every time you go into right. a social engagement going, okay, you're you're too introverted. You need to come out more. Right. And you're so stuck on that and you're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it's already such a struggle. And like, it's just something you grow out of. And when you're, you know, you can, you can grow out of it, but it's a lot harder to grow out of when people are putting a microscope on it. Exactly. I think what happens, and I told this mom the other day, I didn't, don't make this, anxiety that your child is feeling socially and all of that don't make it a focus because they're just going to feel like they're a weirdo you know like a you know what I mean they're going to feel like psyched out it becomes it it falls under the microscope and all of a sudden it's a much bigger problem than it actually is and that's the sense that I got as a mom with you was that this wasn't a big deal it was only going to be a big deal if I made it a big deal so my job was to minimize it to encourage you when I could. Unless you would just be like, oh, yeah, what did you, when did you notice there? You'd ask me about my observations, not, did you get out there and be friendly? (laughs) It was like, it was, oh, yeah, you noticed that went on. Well, what what did you think about that? Right. You know? Right, right. (laughs) So it was really interesting because I think at one point you decided to start taking drama classes, partly because you were kind of aware Mm -hmm. that you were an introvert. And was this... Was that some of your motivation? No, in some of my motivation. Um, and I think some of it was a challenge of like when I was in elementary, we went to a co-op for a very short time. And I, again, I was like, I wouldn't say sign up for all the classes your friends are in because I signed up for a class that my best friend at the time was in. And it was a public speaking class. <laughs> I was like, what was I thinking? But I think it was like eight years old or something. Right. And I just flopped. I was I wouldn't even go up you and do my, do I could not do my presentation on, what was it, Little House on the Prairie? <laughs> I just, I couldn't well, do it. And you were like, you didn't even get awkward about it. You didn't act like, oh gosh, my kid is embarrassing me. She's not going up to do her. You were like, well, if you, you don't have to do it. You seriously don't have to do it. It's okay. And I was like, I was feeling embarrassed about it. and But you kind of just gave me an out and I just took it. I did not go up and do it. Right. But it kind of stuck with me. And I was like, man, you know. I wish I could kind of get past that. I'm not really sure, you know, it would just be a good challenge. But then also I had met a lot of these kids and a lot of my friends because, you know, they were, some of them were extroverts, but some were introverts Mm -hmm. and they were just loving this particular class. And then my sister took it for one semester before I did. And I ended up helping because they were shorthanded. I helped backstage, got to meet more of these kids. It was a great segue because I was helping with costumes and props and things and they all thought I was in the play. I had no role whatsoever other than just practicality, and I was just loving it so much, but I didn't have to be on stage, so it gave me a taste of it, and I was just like, wow, this is really fun, and I really like hanging out with these people. Some are quiet, some Mm -hmm. are not, but when they hit the stage, they turn into a whole other person, Right. and um, it's just a fun experience, and and I love personalities and characters, and and the whole getting into character, and Mm -hmm. kind of figuring out the thinking behind who you're playing was a fun challenge, and you do, you just, as an introvert, it's I mean, when else are you going to get a chance to be someone else That's right. for a while? That's right. So That's I right. I just tried it. Got a small role. I had like 13 lines. Right. And, um, you know, it was totally a character that was a lot like me in real life. So it was pretty comfortable, easy to do. Um, and again, I had siblings in mm-hmm. the play. And I knew quite a few of the kids. Anyway, it was just a very easy transition. Right. Lots of friends. And it just... Gave me this chance to just really have a lot of fun. Well, and fast forward three years later, when you were 15, you uh, landed the leading role 
Oh, yes. In the play. Yes. And that (laughs) was the time when my husband and I can say we really saw you blossom. So we're talking 15, you guys. So if I had been uptight and pushy and, and, and too nervous, I would have forced something a lot earlier than 15 because a lot of people would say <laughs> that was too late. But you know what? That was the perfect timing for Brittany. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she just blossomed not only in the role, that she took this leadership role with the younger kids that were under her. I remember mm. your teacher making yeah. a real point that you had not only done well in the role, but you had taken a leadership role and just kind of making these little ones sort of your flock. You sort of just like <laughs> mother hen them and just um, yeah. took care of them. And it, you were just a big encouragement it was just fun. to the and people I was used around to you. People, you know, kids being younger to me, than me. So right. it was pretty easy. Actually, quite a few of my friends were a year or two younger than right. me. Right. But I didn't see them as younger or lesser or behind. We right. were all totally equal. Um, but but she yeah. just said you, she just made a yeah. point of telling us that you were a huge encouragement to everybody that was in that play as well. It was so fun. And I really did have, I mean, too, also having a good teacher. Like, right. she was just a very cool person just in, you know, just She loved inspired. the Lord. And yeah, she loved she the Lord. She the... inspired you. And every person who was in this play, she wrote to a note. Mm-hmm. I am totally a words of encouragement person. So, like, I treasured these notes that right. I got at the end of every school. You're right. saying how you grew, how well you did, and the challenges you met, and she was just very detailed words of encouragement, and she just bolstered me up so that I was like, I think I can try to do this, and it felt like such a huge accomplishment after, you know, being eight years old, and I can't do my Little House on the Prairie presentation to, hey, I did it, this was great. Exactly, (laughs) but it's all in God's good timing, Mm -hmm. and in the timing that your children were sort of created to to follow, you know, we all have this inner clock, and um, kids have an inner, like an inner clock, and it's just something that we need to tune into as moms. So let's move ahead yeah. to middle school and high school. So what was the transition like for you during the middle school years? I know that I always made a point of telling you guys way ahead of time, even before junior high, that when you got into high school, ninth grade, <laughs> it was your baby. You were going to earn that diploma. Mm-hmm. You were going to be responsible to meet your credits. Um, so be thinking about what you want to do, right? Like, do you just want to get a GED? Do you want to go get your diploma? Do you want to go into some kind of college thing? Right. Just putting the little bug seeds. in our ear. Yeah, really. just planting the seeds. Just thinking about it, and, um, and it wasn't like, all right, here, it's all yours. It was... Just be thinking about this. Right. You know, here's you've still got your normal basics workload. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It yeah, like... so so then we would go into the middle school years. Um, we typically history and science in the elementary years were very much interest led. Yeah. And when we got to the middle school years, sometimes our kids loved something like history, and they wanted yeah. to do a history. I curriculum. loved like World War Two. Right. Um, Fiction and nonfiction stories and, like, Civil War period, mm-hmm. fiction, nonfiction, some of the American Girl stuff. Went through a lot. I just didn't feel like I covered American history. Just being interest-led. Yeah. Yeah. All through middle well, school. Well, and then there's always, what were the, the things you used? Liberty's Kids. You guys always watched oh, that yeah. when you were growing mm-hmm. up, the cartoon. That was fun. That was a Revolutionary War. Right. Based. But it was just a... a so middle school years, science and history was an optional curriculum if you wanted to do a curriculum. Because mm-hmm. some of the kids had a yeah. real deep interest and they wanted to do something. But by the time high school rolled around, 
it was a it was a must. You yeah. had to do you know your basics: math, reading, writing, arithmetic, right, and then history and science. Had some like yeah, biology and stuff like that. Right. So during this time, this middle school, high school time, what did unhurried look like for you? So what are we talking like a number of hours that you would say you spent doing book work? Middle school, so like transitioning to yeah. high school. Really, I don't feel like the book work was heaped up on us too quickly. We maybe added one, maybe two more subjects right. at that point. Um, you're just you, kind of getting a sense of the high school workload. Right. Would you say the high school workload was four hours or less of book work? I think so. Sometimes you do a little bit more just because you had some you credits had, you needed to meet. Right. It was a goal that you made for yourself. Yeah. Though, so to do extra. Yeah, but I could handle it at that time. It wasn't like too much either. Right. And I still was able to either start early or take breaks and still had that free time. Right. So by early afternoon you were done with your your stuff that you were earning credits Yeah, which for. was important to me because I had like two hours of farm animals to take care of right. every morning and every night. And, and <laughs> let me tell you, the list on uh, not only electives, but like animal science and things like that, I had she a had great, way more yes, credits on those animal than Animal husbandry really was my, one of your six extra credits you had to get. <laughs> but there was so much she learned from that. And this is, this was the beauty of homeschooling is that our kids had different interests and they could take that interest and we could turn that into a credit. Somehow, mm-hmm. some way, yes. or several credits. Mm-hmm. And that was just a really... Or even just healthy lifestyles, like learning to cook or exercising every day. Right. That was my PE credit because mm-hmm. I'm not a huge, yay, go play, you know, go, we go into PE sports. class and stuff. And right. some of my siblings liked it, but I just did not yeah. jive with me. I would our prefer son... to just work out alone. <laughs> right. And Sam, our son Sam, played football. I think he's mm-hmm. the only one who played on any kind of team it just it wasn't our thing a lot of families love it and oh yeah that's kind of where they homeschool from and, and my I husband just think it's loves fantastic. Um, yeah but yeah but every family is different and ours we live far away from anything like that also we were kind of out in the country so uh it was a little difficult to get people mm-hmm. to practice and things like that but nobody really showed a, a deep interest anyway yeah but back to physical exercise uh, our family is big on fitness yeah you know we like to stay in shape we like to at least stay it healthy such a good habit to build because I still do now and I've been exercising since I was 13 and right it really helps you when you get into the yeah. childbearing years and you have to keep up with toddlers and... yes we were just discussing this afternoon just different stretchy bands we we're both into oh, yeah. doing stretchy bands Things right like now that. yeah <laughs> and just like trying to and it is it is really nice it was really started out as part of my Schoolwork, and it had to go on my transcript right. during high school. Right. So a lot of the things that we did in everyday life, like I really tried to cook healthy meals, and I would talk with, especially with you girls, because a lot of times mm-hmm. you were working beside me because you were the older I wasn't ones. super interested in cooking, just putting yeah. that out there. Like, But we would have but, discussions about what made up a healthy meal and right. different types of eating, and we talked about different kinds of good fats and bad fats, and we learned about herbs. And, and if I hadn't had all that, I would have been so lost when I got married. Because I was funny? like, oh, that brand is better because it doesn't have this in there. Don't right. tell me why I know. Mom just told me. Right. We you know, do, we do a lot of label reading, and yes. now she's an avid label reader. I so, have little kids, so I'm like, okay, what is... <laughs> in this (laughs) right so we want to know what are we putting into our kids and our own bodies and so those are just uh, that's just a few of countless areas where this was our family culture Mm -hmm. and we had a big garden and you know and maybe that's not you maybe you live in the suburbs and you don't have a garden or you have a container garden or you just have a yard to maintain Mm -hmm. all of that can be part should be part of your homeschooling day and part of your kids' homeschooling days 
And this is one thing I tell moms all the time. It's like if you are feeling overloaded with housework and yard work, you need to start administrating more. How much are your kids doing? Because we're a team. You know, when we homeschool, this isn't about us doing everything. We cannot be everything to everybody. Mm -mm. We're not God. So we need to recognize that we're human and that we need help. And you know what? When our kids step along, come alongside of us and step up and help, it shows them that they are part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. So we were big on chores. Uh-huh. And I, I see that even already with my kids. They feel so, like, not that it, like, determines their value, but I just see them. They feel, they kind of light up like, oh, I'm a part of this family right. when I set the table. They feel grown up. Yeah, or when I put the silverware away. Just really little things, but it's like, it kind of creates a cohesiveness. Right. I was like... That's kind of interesting. And, you know, I kind of understand that. I actually remember that. It's so funny because you go, oh, that's what was going on when I was a kid. (laughs) And now you're seeing it happen with your kids. You're like, there's like this sense of self-worth and this sense of cohesiveness of I am important in this family when I set the table, I clear the table. Things fall apart if I don't do my part. (laughs) Right. Like I am a valued team member here. That's right. And uh, it's really cool. Yeah. I remember you telling me, speaking of... um, recognizing what was going on you you told me a while back that you had gone to a Sunday school class that was on the book shepherding a child's heart right yeah which that was the book my husband and I read Ted Tripp Ted Tripp okay and my husband and I that was like that was like the book that laid the foundation and the attitude towards our parenting was that book. We took a Sunday school class, went through that book, and absolutely loved it. And I have two copies sitting on my shelf right now. But the interesting thing is you went to this Sunday yes, school so class. And tell, tell me yeah, what, tell them what I happened. I was pregnant with Nate, so I didn't have any um, kids in the house at the time. And I was going, yeah, to Bible study. And after a while, I start, you know, we watch a video, talk about it. But we watched the videos and I'm going, wait a minute, I know all this. Why do I know all this? This is what was used on me growing up. <laughs> I go, oh, none of this is new. Like, I grew up with all this. And just like, obviously, I still want to be there and talk. But I would find myself talking with the moms, telling them, yeah, this is how it works from a kid's perspective. Right. And they really appreciated that. I was like, oh, well, okay. Because I was like, it, at first I was like, well, I'm going to a parenting Bible study. But I'm not really parenting quite yet. And I'll probably forget this by the time my kids are old enough. But it was just really funny because it was just like, oh, I know all this. And I was, and it was helpful because um, I could approach it from that right. aspect. Well, I, I never saw that coming. So cool <laughs> that, you know, when parents can hear an adult child say, hey, this, this these particular principles, this is, yeah, this is how this works for me. These are good yeah. principles. And it just sort of. Obviously, not like every jot and tittle, but no. Just in general. Right. You know. Exactly. So, all right. So let's fast forward to your, at the end of your high school years, how did you answer people who wanted to know what career path you were taking? Oh, my goodness. I have been having so many conversations with my siblings about that lately because a lot of them are getting towards, you know, just graduation. Johanna. Sam's graduating this Mm -hmm. year and Johanna next year. And just talking about this. And Jojo and I were talking about this. And honestly, I'm just, I'm just an honest person. I just feel like I have to answer honestly. Mm -hmm. And... Even though it doesn't always get the greatest reactions, but at the same time, you know, like, my parents are behind me on all this, and they had positive attitudes about it, so why do I need to be ashamed when I'm telling other people about Mm -hmm. this, you know? But it was just, I want to be a wife and a mom, Mm -hmm. and um, no, I don't really want to go to college. I think I'll just, I'll get a, I want to get a job and work and, you know, until I, you know, get married and start having a family, Um, 
but oh my goodness, like, just, just, you know, that's it, you know, or just like, you know, or, well, you're going to do some college, right? Or just, I was just like, no, there's nothing, for me personally, there's nothing that constitutes the cost of it. Right. And um, I actually, at the time too, was considering traveling to Europe a little bit with a group of homeschool, a homeschool family that particularly did, you know, they knew where to stay. They knew the right, places right. to go and the things to see, and they would fit like three countries into each two-week tour. Right. Um, and that was a possibility. But I was like, obviously, I'm going to need to save up money, so I'm going to need to get a job, right. you know, which... But it was funny because a lot of my classmates and stuff would have all these things that they would say, like, oh, I'm going to do this college and I'm going to go for this. And there were a few who were definitely, that was their passion, and they should, you know, they right, should have been doing forward that. With it, they yeah. wanted to be a doctor or a right. lawyer or a pediatrician teacher. or a teacher, and um, and they had a passion for it. And you know what? It was just, it was a niche that fit. But I was finding that was like maybe a quarter. Yeah, and I, I was, remember yeah. when you were getting ready to graduate and you were just, you would just be like, Mom, I don't, I just... Sometimes it just feels awkward because everybody seems to know what they're going to do and they're going to do these careers. And I looked at her and I said, most of them aren't going to do it. Right. I'm going to tell you that right now. kind of realize that because, um, I mean, another classmate was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to take a liberal arts or I'm just going to go and, and do like a general AA or something because, you know, you have to do something for college and my parents want me to do something right, for college. Right. And I'm just thinking... But that's a lot of money. Like, right. who knows how much that's going to cost? But you don't... She's like, I don't really know if I'm going to use right. it or what I'm going to do with right. it. And it was just like, it's kind of sad, though, because, like, you could well, be, you could find out what you really want to do. I don't know. It was... And some of them were just like, I'm going to do A, B, and C, and I actually am still friends with them, and that is so not what they are doing right, right now. Right. right. And that was probably three quarters of the class. So speak to the mom who has a daughter... Who wants to be a wife and a mom? How can she encourage her? Because you guys, I'm just going to say this right now. There is nothing wrong. In fact, there's something very beautiful about a little girl wanting to grow up to be a wife and a mom. It is such an honorable position, mm-hmm. such an honorable role. And it's it. God made families. God created families. And what this world needs more of is cohesive families with moms who actually want to be moms. Right. <laughs> who didn't do it just and- as another acquisition. Um, uh, you know, like they bought a house and then they bought a car and now it's time to have a baby. It's not a checklist. No, it's not a checklist. It's a passion about raising kids for the Lord and loving motherhood. You know, motherhood can be hard and we hear a lot about that on the internet. And sometimes mm-hmm. I just get really weary of it. And I know that moms need to vent and they need to say, because it is hard sometimes and we need to know mm-hmm. that we're not alone. But at the same time, this role of being a mom is a privilege. Well, and the hardness is what, I don't know, speaks to me as uh, how important it is. Yeah. If it wasn't an important job, it would not be so hard. Right. Look at doctors. Look at lawyers. (laughs) Exactly. Nothing good comes easy. Right? (laughs) Their jobs are hard. Mom's jobs are hard. Right. Um, But, you know, people who become doctors and do these things that they're passionate about don't quit when it gets hard or give up. A lot of gauges as to to gauge their success as they go. Mm -hmm. And that's where being a mom is much harder. Yes, you're making a long term investment. Because you don't have a, you don't get scored by the hospital you work at or the law firm you're with. Or, you know, you don't get 
promotions, right, <laughs> or or pay raises to bolster you along the way. Right. Um, right. You're totally dependent on God. So I think you know, like my mom did with me, she told me that being a mom was the best job on the planet. She yeah. always reinforced that to me, and so I did the same thing with you guys, but also saying if you're passionate and you want to be right. a nurse or you want to be, you know, whatever, if there's, you want to be a photographer, you want to travel for because a while, God could have other you plans. should totally do that right yeah, now, you, you know, just don't really know for but sure. it comes down to encouraging our kids to listen for the Lord's voice, to learn to hear him speaking to them and, and walking courageously in that. And if that means you want to be a wife and a mom, great. So we've got these in-between years. Mm-hmm. You knew you wanted to be a wife and mom. You worked at a doctor's office I will for say a while. I did not always want to be a wife and mom. When I was That's seven, right. I told my mom I wanted to be a wheelchair. And I wondered, what have I done wrong? And like my little sister already is like, I want to be a mom. And she had her baby dolls. And I'm like, well, I want to train whales. And like all of, which is really weird because I hate deep water. Like, that makes no sense. But... It wasn't like from day one. I was like no. just repeating back what I was no. hearing. I, and then I wanted to be a farmer for a long and time. And I told her, I said, if you want um, to be a whale trainer, you can be a whale trainer. You know? <laughs> so still playing the Disney so World, fun. but no. it's so fun for them to have yeah. this imagination. And they learn so much from just pursuing those interests and right. all of that. And it slowly so, changed over time. Absolutely. And I had animals and I was like, well, I kind of want to just have my own farming business as I got more right. like, what, 11 or 12. Yeah. Um, and try to make money from that anyway. But eventually it was just... But then that nurturing animals turned into nurturing children. Right. And also (laughs) just like you start to think about marriage as you get older. And, you know, God's purpose behind that. And then you just really start to feel led. And again, having a positive attitude towards motherhood coming from your parents the whole time towards, Mm -hmm. you know, children and their value and the role of motherhood and all that is a huge encouragement of... It's okay to choose that if right. that's on your heart. And it feels like it was just a very slow transition, you know. And then by the time I'm like 17 or 18, I'm like, yeah, I really do. I just want to get married and raise kids up for the Lord. And just because that is actually a huge, hard job. Right. And there's not a lot of people out there willing to take that on. Right. And so this time in between uh, graduation and and meeting Jacob... What was that like for you? That was like, you get like self-discovery a little bit of just, you know, what do I like? What works for me? Or sort of finding your identity a little bit. Yeah. Solidifying it. Right. Solidifying it and just having some experience. Outside of the school scene. Right. Because I had a job as a medical receptionist, which for which I really had no training. Like I showed up and they're all like, oh gosh, this chick doesn't even know what ibuprofen is. You know, just like they literally (laughs) told me that like... When I when I you know what I when I was done I did they were like oh my goodness because I just you know I have kind of a baby face or something and you know I get people going shouldn't you be in school no sir I'm 20 years old <laughs> and um just yeah and but by the time I left it was really funny because my coworkers were like you learned everything like so fast and I was already um actually on track to be learning medical billing from the gal who wow. was willing to teach me she was having me work on typing numbers out on the keypad so let anyway, me just interject yeah. lifelong learner here this is a yeah. huge thing you know when we don't burn our kids out on schoolwork and we let them sort of develop at their own pace 
um, and just always encourage that love of learning, which means mm-hmm. giving them margin in their days. You had time to pursue the things that interested you in the afternoons, and that didn't change in high school. You Mm-mm. were done by early afternoon, but you at least had two to three hours of just doing your thing. Yeah, and for me, that was like, yeah, learning about personalities. Right. And you did a lot of reading on uh, the difference in personalities. Yeah, and I love Dr. Gary Smalley's, right? all his info, um, yeah, and just... Really just personality stuff, too. And it was great because it was helpful in work. Right. I'd be at work, and I had this personality info of the different types of personalities. But plus, you had a plus bunch I of siblings. all these siblings. Oh, this is totally a Luke personality. So just get to the point. <laughs> and this person is a little more social like Ben, so I can chit-chat with this person. But it was really great. It gave me people skills, and all the patients just really appreciated me because I would try to just... It's medical. Everybody's not happy to be there. Right. They're sick. They don't want to be there. Right. Um, and so I just try to be happy because, right. like, what that's, else do you do? And, and that's perfect for yeah. a reception. That's a great way for a receptionist to be, you know, exuding that kind of, you know, just cheerfulness. Right. And, and they were really sad to see me go. And they were like, you just, you learned everything. And now you're learning our medical billing system, right. too. Right. And they were just kind of surprised. Which actually helps you now, because when you're handling your family's oh, medical insurance and all that kind of stuff, she knows what she's doing. So yes. God just has this wonderful way of preparing our kids for what he has for them. Mm-hmm. Speaking of preparation, how do you think being the oldest of eight and being home with everyone so much of the time helped prepare you for life? Gosh, definitely getting all the different personalities under one roof and right? seeing the dynamics between others and between you and them and having just, those sibling relationships nurtured. Right. And going, you know what? Other people can think differently than you. Right. <laughs> and just like and, and you it's can not still be wrong. nice to each other. <laughs> right. And it's not necessarily inherently wrong. Um gosh, there was yeah, lots of things. Um how to handle conflict, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you'd rather just not deal with a person right. or just... Well, and I remember you read yeah. a lot on personalities and um, and even learn, uh, learning issues with or learning people. styles, Learning too. styles. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think, was really was interesting. Fun. All of that really played into nurturing your marriage as well. It really did because my husband is quite complicated. Well, he's, he's got dyslexia, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, he had dyslexia, um... Oh, goodness. He was adopted at 13. Um, so just lots kind of... Kind of a complex childhood. Yeah, and, and so... I'm not somebody... I like to simplify things, but, like, I try all the time. I'm like, dude, there's just no way to simplify you. But, like, because I've read all these personalities... He's also has a hard time with personality quizzes, and it's always off. Right. Because he's overanalyzed it, right. and it's just not him at all. Right. And so I can pretty much just be like, I think I know what you are. Um, right. without doing this, right, right, right. <laughs> but just kind of helping him find what works for him. And it's, you've taught him a lot about kind of who he is and how he's yeah, wired. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and he's a guy, he's just not quite as into that great. or aware of, you know, what's affecting him and why it's affecting right, him that right. way. And, and it's been really good. And we've been able to incorporate a lot of that in like into our marriage to help smooth things right. over. Well, and you guys came into the marriage, um, just it was great. You had a wonderful wedding. You were you got pregnant really soon after the wedding. Because mm-hmm, um, we were both. What was it like January? You were married in October, got pregnant in January. Yeah, because we just were like, you know what? We we had been, we had both been working. We got married. And we just really felt like we just wanted to move forward with right. our life. And right. also we were like, well, this means we can be grandparents early on and we might have more energy. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if we really gave it like a ton of thought, but we just felt like the natural next thing to do right, for us. The natural next step. The Lord was leading you. Mm-hmm. So you uh, got pregnant with Isaac yeah. and um, 
before, right before he was born, uh, lost his heartbeat mm-hmm. and he ended up being stillborn. Yes. Which meant that it was not, I want to say it was in less than a couple of weeks before your first anniversary. Yeah. You it was were burying your weeks. first child. Yeah. And was, that was, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, couples that face that kind of challenge, especially within the first year, um, it's nothing short of God and their willingness yes. to yield to God's plan mm-hmm. for their family um, is what got them through. And so, just maybe share a little bit about how having a cohesive family and homeschooling, strong family ties, made any kind of a difference for you when it came to this particular challenge. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was just huge. Um, we were just, we were really blessed. We felt so blessed because my family and his family just, mm-hmm. you guys work together so well. In fact, Isaac's middle name is Levi, which means mm-hmm. harmony. Right. Because we just felt so blessed by family that did not get caught up in stupid little things. Right. right. When it was such a difficult time or getting their feelings hurt right. from each other, they just came up underneath us and... Mm-hmm. And we both been raised that, you know, life is precious and um, we're going to honor that. Mm-hmm. And our whole family was on board with it. Nobody ever made us feel weird mm-hmm. for having a funeral for a baby who had died before he was born. It was just as important as if it was. He was a family member. he had taken his first and breath. And you know what also was wonderful is that you and my mother-in-law and really everybody on both sides of the family, they still talk about Isaac. Mm-hmm. And... People and they'll accidentally call Nate Isaac, and mm-hmm. I love it because I feel like it brings some normalcy, and he's remembered. He's not just like the child we lost and nobody talks about. Right. And I have heard of that happening. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been. I just feel so blessed because I've been able to also meet with so many women who have been through the same thing, and <laughs> I never saw myself filling that niche in life because right. I am a. I might. Oh, we're not going to get depressed. You know. Yeah. I don't do depression. <laughs> That's just not my thing. And uh, and just realizing that, you know what, grief is a big part of life. It is. And, and it's important to address that. And um, everybody grieves differently. And being able to reach out to these women. Mm-hmm. But I had so much healthy support. Right. That's what allows me to do it. Because it didn't give me excess baggage. Right. Um, I was able to work through that. And it was hard because it was two weeks before our first anniversary. And we like a week before our anniversary or something I think we had his funeral and I just remember my father-in-law did the service he's a pastor and just like wow this is so hard um you know he's talking about never being able to take his grandson fishing and just being really honest mm-hmm. and um just being like you know it was just it was hard because it was their first grandson and it was your guys's first grandchild and and that could have been such a bigger weight, and you guys did not even think about that. You grieved with us, but it wasn't. It wasn't. There all was about hope. you, and there was hope, and we also just all felt the presence of God so much that it was just amazing. Yeah, we could not deny it. It was just literally tangible. Yeah. In the hospital, when you were laboring after he was born. And, you know, before that point, I would not have, I couldn't have told you how I would respond to a baby, being being around a baby who had passed away because, I mean, babies are just precious to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't know if I could, I didn't, I wasn't sure I could handle it. But, you know, the truth was that the second he was born, I could not wait to hold him. 
to kiss him, to talk <laughs> to you him. And you told us these things, which gave us just a sense of, you know, normalcy and not just, this is just, you know, this is just messed up, you know. Right, just, right. It was just this embracing of, he was a life, he was important. And, That's right. You know, and just, and it allowed us to be able to enjoy any normalcy we had. Right. Because quite right. frankly, that was just, we were just grasping for something, you yeah. know. I just remember my husband caught him and handed him to me and, and at that particular moment, it almost just didn't matter because mm-hmm. we had some normalcy. And our and our family came and they all held him and nobody made it sound feel weird, mm-hmm. you know, that he had passed away. They all wanted to hold him. Mm-hmm. And um, even some of my younger siblings, I was just like, looking back, I'm like, wow, that's just amazing. And at the time, I, you know, there was just so much to process and so much we were going through and you know, just, it was just really beautiful. It was beautiful in so many ways. I would ways. never choose it. No. I would never choose it, but it was, it was like this. It was, uh, it was pretty, like this pretty incredible experience. Concerto that went on that nobody practiced for, <laughs> but it was, it was like incredibly beautiful. And, and I feel like uh, it was a good lesson for that. That's life. Right. You know, <laughs> part of life, death is part of life. Mm-hmm. And no, we didn't expect it. We had no anticipation of it. But then when we looked back, we could see little ways that God had graciously prepared us mm-hmm. for it. And we yes. didn't realize it. But we also had the joy of being able to hold him. We had the joy of being able to see him. Mm-hmm. We also have the joy of looking forward to meeting him someday. And never yes. before have I looked forward to going to heaven <laughs> until Isaac went ahead of us. Oh, me neither. <laughs> me neither. And it was kind of, um, you know, just again, I would never choose it, but it was a blessing to be able to have that be my segue into parenting mm-hmm. of, you know, it sort of put the view for us much farther ahead than where right. we are right now of, you know, it doesn't matter if my kid gets a degree or not, or even if he's a plumber. <laughs> if he loves the Lord and, you know... He loves what he's doing. He loves what he's doing, and he, you know, has a grateful heart and a good work ethic, and just, and, you know, we're all going to be in heaven. Ultimately, it does not matter what we do here right. on this earth as far as importance goes, but it really helped us sort of just really fix our eyes on heaven in regards to, like, parenting our next children that came mm-hmm. along. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. That's great. I, yeah, and Isaac will, he is a part of our family, and he always will be. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just an amazing thing. And, and the one thing I wanted to mention, too, is the photographer. Because you think, you know, you experience, that's your only experience with it. You don't think about what other experience, other people's experiences might until, be. Right, until you until start someone to comes on them. the scene who has been, she took pictures for Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, which is a volunteer organization that yes. goes in and takes pictures of babies who are terminally ill or who have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a gift, and it was a wonderful it gift for us. Amazing. Um, but our photographer, she mentioned to us afterwards that she had never experienced anything like what she had um, in being part of Isaac's birth and part of that process of taking pictures that she could just she could feel the presence of God she was a Christian as well and and she told me that there are she's been in so many sad situations where the moms um, the family just left because they couldn't handle it And the mom had to bear this on her own. And it just broke my heart to think 
that family would leave someone like that. And so if you ever know someone who experiences this, don't be afraid to be part of it. Um, yeah, I would say... I mean, everybody responds differently, but... Yeah, yeah, and... Some people might not want, you know, might not want to surround or whatever, but um, at least avail yourself to that yeah. and make yourself available to it, and don't be afraid. I think this is the other thing I learned is um, the people in our lives who, I mean, they love us, and they were there, and they did a hard thing with us. Yeah. And they carried this with us. And so we none of us carried it alone. Yes. We bore this burden together. And, and then people that went through that with you months, weeks, weeks, months, years later, mm-hmm. it's so wonderful to be able to have people to talk to who were there. Who were there, Who yes. were wit- witnessed it with you. And sometimes you can, when the grief really gets heavy, they are there for you. Right. And they're like, yeah, you know, or they remind you, but remember this? Right. And... You're like, yeah, you know, God's grace was really there Mm -hmm. and sort of helped bring you out of that because these people witnessed it with you. Right. But uh, yeah, Yeah. I just... That's great. uh, We'll we'll (laughs) probably do another podcast on that whole story (laughs) at some point. But the last question I want to ask you is, do you plan to homeschool your kids? That's always the big question. Oh, yeah, I know. I get that sometimes from people who are like, yeah, especially when I say, oh, yeah, I have, you know, seven siblings and we were all homeschooled. Oh, are you going to homeschool your own kids? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. It was like, I love being with my kids. Mm -hmm. Like, and honestly, and for me too, it wasn't like a, I was homeschooled, so I'm going to homeschool. You know, especially with my son. It's not the checklist of being a good parent. No, my son will be five in September, so we're really early on, but really the onslaught starts at like three or four years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the pressure builds. Wow, you know, all these programs, and these kids are not even five. I'm like, my kids would be a wreck by the end of the day. Or just... I had to really just pray through it and go, okay, individually, is this a good plan? And, you know, God, I really feel like you're leading me in this direction, all things set aside. Right. Um, so I'm going with that. Right. Um, but, yeah, and but then just, okay, what is it going to look like? You know, also my husband had dyslexia, so that it's a genetic thing. That could thing. play into the It could picture. play into things. So I just started out with when they were teeny. I just want them to love books. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, so we read for... 15 minutes before bed, and my kids love books. They love, you just read them a story before we did this. Um, (laughs) I was like, if they love books, that's half the battle. Right. Like, right. You know, just, and that was it. That was the startup. Um, Nate just learned his colors, and uh, we had done, (laughs) she had done a few little activities with him, read some books to him on different colors, and I had played counting bears with him at one point several months ago. Break, you know, and kind he of, liked color coordinating, but he but didn't he, really he couldn't know remember what the, the colors, colors were. So it was like, you know, we had a lot of fun, but he it wasn't registering or sinking in. And all of a sudden, recently, yes, how did he learn um, his colors for Christmas from his uncle Ben? Thank you, Ben. We got Uno Attack for Christmas because I was like, that's one game I really loved. I don't love all games, but this was really fun, and I think my kids would like it. Um, I didn't even think it would be like a learning thing. I just thought, I want this in our collection eventually. And Ben got our name in the family name draw that Christmas and sent us Uno Attack. And I, Nate and I started playing and he learned his colors playing Uno Attack because <laughs> it was kind of competitive and he could right. kind of smack talk mom a little bit. <laughs> respectfully. Well, respectfully, yes. Like, just like, you know, oh, I won. And, and it really got him hooked. So now he's at least got the basic colors yeah. down. He's got red, well, blue, green and yellow down you right know? 
Um, and I was and like, I think too that when we do I, those little activities, even if they don't get it in the moment, we're planting right. seeds. Mm-hmm. We're like we're like creating these little networks, and then at the right time, bam, the dots connect. Well, and, and you colors never know. are fun now. Like right. he associates that was playing a game, and I was like, I wouldn't have put that together. Right. And this right. year there's been a lot of prayer because. I'm pregnant with our fourth baby. I have a four-year-old and an almost three-year-old. And I'm like, Lord, I can only do so much. That's right. And, and my husband works long hours. So, yeah, just, and he's been able to meet us in that. Just, yeah. And I love that so verse nice. that says that he gently leads those who are with young. And yes. I really think that he does do that if we will allow him to do that. Yeah. And that's something that I think when we allow ourselves that unhurried approach, that is part of the way that God gently leads us um, Mm -hmm. while we have young and even when we have older kids. (laughs) Well, we're going to go ahead and pray. Thank you so much for doing this with me. All right. Well, Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for this time. We pray that every mom that's listening would be really encouraged, Lord. We thank you for the gift of homeschooling, for all the years that you've given us, uh, homeschooling our kids and being able to spend all that time with our kids. And even though some days were hard, Lord, the overall gift of homeschooling is something that can't even be expressed or replaced or substituted for, Lord, because it's such a gift from you, Lord. And so I just pray over these moms that you would continue to give them wisdom, give them freedom, and help them to walk out what you are calling them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.